Father, we want to just honor you this morning to lift you up. You are truly great. There is no one like you. And I just thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. May you speak to your people, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. A number of years ago, uh, my grandmother was living in South Florida, and there were several hurricanes that came through that year. Uh, I think one of them was Bonnie, Dennis, uh, you know, there's several of them, at least three. And uh, my mother was concerned for my grandmother because she was right in the path of the hurricane. Uh, It was projected to hit right where she was all three times. All three times, my mother lifted up in prayer and said, Lord, would you change the direction of that hurricane? And all three times, the hurricane changed direction. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I know some people will say, well, there are other reasons why uh, that could have happened. But I, I, I have seen too many prayers answered. I've seen God do too many things to believe that that is anything other than the supernatural answer of God to the prayer of his child. I want you to know we serve a God who delights to answer prayer. Uh, he, and we need that. We need him to intervene in our lives. We need to ask him for the things that are on our hearts. And uh, we need to ask him for the things that he wants to do through our lives. Uh, this is what makes a difference. This is what brings the supernatural power of God to play on our lives. And so uh, Luke here uh, wrote both uh, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Uh, and he is writing to describe what was going on after the Lord Jesus had ascended uh, and what the people of God were doing during this interim period before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And there were several things that they were doing, but one of the things that they were doing that was so important is that they were praying. They were lifting up the things that Jesus had told them uh, so that God would come and move in mighty power in their midst. I believe God wants to do that in every season of the church. I believe He wants to do it today. I believe He wants to do it in the future. God wants to move in power among His people. The conditions must be right. One of those conditions is that God's people are praying. Uh, We, as God's people, need to lift up our request to Him in prayer and pray these prayers that make a difference. I want you to see several uh, things that are in this Scripture this morning that can truly make a difference in your life, in your family's lives, in your church, in our church, and in our nation and around the world. Prayers that make a difference. Uh, Look with me at verse 14. All these were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Uh, Now, this is what they were doing. Jesus said, listen, I want you to go. I want you to wait for power to come from on high. Uh, And so that's what they're doing. They're waiting, and as they're waiting, they're praying. Uh, Then they are replacing Judas. Uh, 
and so uh, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord and who's now dead, uh, look at verse 23. So they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic service that Judas left to go to his own place. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was numbered with the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, we were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to rest to them, uh, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. And then turn over to chapter 2 and verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed to the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The title of my message is Prayers That Make a Difference. Uh, what are some things we can pray that will truly make a difference? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that we need to pray for devotion. We need to pray for devotion. If you look in verse 14, he says, All these were continually united in prayer. Uh, the, the Greek has one word that gives the idea of continual. It's a participle. But it means continually devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoted. They were devoting themselves as they prayed. They were devoting themselves to the action of prayer. But they were also devoting themselves to God. They were devoted to God's purpose for their life. They were sitting there waiting for God's time and when He would send the Spirit. They were devoted to obeying what God had told them to do. Uh, Jesus said, go wait for me. And they're waiting. I want to tell you something. We need to be devoted to the things of God. It's such an important thing. I see so many who... Uh, are believers or who, who confess the name of Christ, but they're just really not devoted to the things of God. You know what you can tell what you're devoted to? By how you spend your time and how you spend your money. That will show you what you're devoted to in your life. We need to pray for devotion. I believe that because of this devotion in their hearts, to seek God's face, to seek His purpose, to obey Him, to lift up their prayers so that God's purpose could be accomplished. God answered in a mighty way. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal 
their land. Can I tell you something? We need healing in our land today, the United States of America. We need healing in our families. We need healing in the individual lives of God's people. Uh, We need the touch, the supernatural touch and power of God that comes through devotion. Uh, We need to be devoted. Now, listen, you need to be devoted to the Lord in your life. You need to be devoted to Him in your prayers. You need to regularly be praying to the Lord. There's a story in the book of Luke about a little widow woman who had been wronged, and she's going to the judge, and she's trying to get justice for uh, for her situation. She keeps going, and she keeps knocking on his door, and he doesn't have time. Well, I'll come back later. I don't have time. And, but she keeps coming. She keeps coming. She keeps coming. And finally, the judge opens the door, and he says, hey, he's thinking this in his mind. I don't fear God. I don't regard men. I don't care about this widow, but she's bugging me to death. <laughs> and I just want her out of my life, so I'm going to give her justice against her adversary. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God wants us to seek Him that way. Not that God is unwilling. God delights to answer our prayer. But He wants us to be persistent in our prayers. Uh, Maybe there's somebody you're praying for that's lost. You need to be persistent, devoted to pray for that person who is lost. You need to be devoted to pray for your family. I'm going to tell you something. There's a spiritual battle going on for our children in this country today. We need to be praying for our children. We need to be praying for uh, our extended family. I'm going to tell you, the devil wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. We need to come against him in prayer. Be devoted in prayer. We need to pray for our church. Can I tell you, the devil hates the church with a passion. He hates it. And he wants to destroy it. He wants to disrupt it. He wants to sidetrack it. We need to be praying, devoted to praying for our church. So we need to pray for devotion. So that get, you know, If you've got to be devoted in all of these things in your life, how do you find that devotion? Because I tell you, there are times in my life where I don't feel it. We need the supernatural empowering of the Lord God in our life to empower us to be devoted. How, that comes through His Holy Spirit. But this, this work of God in their hearts uh, produces devotion to God, and, and they were carrying out that devotion in prayer, and it made a profound difference uh, in, in that day and that time, and it still makes a profound difference today. God said, Him that honoreth me, him will I honor. Do you honor Jesus? Is he the one that you give credit to in your life? Do you honor him with your time? Do you honor him with your devotion? If you do, you'll receive blessing from that. I want to tell you something. God never fails to bless a heart that's devoted to him. Pray for devotion. So we need to pray for devotion as God's people. We need to pray for leadership. Pray for leadership. Verse 23. They called uh, Joseph and uh, called Barsabbas, who's also known as Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic service that Judas left to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. Now, by the way, did you know we don't have to do that anymore? Casting lots. 
that was an Old Testament practice. Uh, they would cast lots. The, the priest had something called Urim and Thummim in his, in his breastplate. And they would cast lots, and, and based on what they saw in the lots, uh, they, would, they would follow the Lord's will. That's how they discerned the Lord's will. Um, sometimes God would communicate in other ways, but that was one of the ways God gave them. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, we no longer have to do that. God can give us a peace in our heart about his direction, and he can direct us through his Holy Spirit. So, uh, but they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was numbered with the 11 apostles. We need to pray for leadership. Now, leadership was important then. It's important now. Uh, godly leadership is so important. Uh, what were they doing? Why were they doing this in the interim period between Jesus' ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit? I believe they were preparing. They were preparing for God's work. They said, look, we know that Jesus chose 12. And by the way, did you know sometimes even ungodly leadership can serve God's purpose? Who, did, who chose Judas Iscariot? Jesus, right? What did Judas Iscariot do? He betrayed Jesus. And then Jesus went to the cross, but guess what God said? It was according to God's determined plan. But Jesus had chosen 12 apostles uh, to be uh, kind of the representatives of his people. Just as there were 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament, there are 12 apostles in the New Testament who fulfilled this role. And they, they sought God in prayer for a replacement for Judas. And God led them to replace him with Matthias. So we need to pray as we consider leadership. Okay? Whatever leadership that may be. In the church. In our nation. Can I tell you, please pray before you go to the ballot box. Don't just, don't just make a decision based on personal interest or... Take it to God in prayer. Seek Him in His Word as you make a choice. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things at stake right now in our country. We need to pray uh, about who we choose as our leaders. Uh, it's so important to have godly leadership in the church. I believe God used these 12 apostles and then later others as well to make a profound difference in the life of Israel. They were the ones who were seeking God and in prayer, in his word. And, and, and you remember when they appointed the first deacons? Again, what were they doing? They were saying, okay, you uh, go and, and, and pray and seek out these men uh, and, and appoint them to the services of taking care of this table fellowship and so forth because we're overwhelmed with all we have to do and we can't neglect the teaching of God's word and prayer. And so they appointed the deacons. And what did the Bible say? The church increased and it grew. Why? Because God was using godly leadership. So we need to choose the right ones. We also need to pray for the ones who are already there. Amen? Now you say, well, Pastor, that's self-serving. Yes, it is, and I don't apologize for it. <laughs> I want your prayers. I need your prayers. All of our leadership needs your prayers. Your deacons need your prayers. You know what, you know what happens so often in churches, and in, 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 in this, this is in secular life as well, what do we do? We complain about our leaders. We criticize them. We take them for granted. A lot of times, 
What does God want us to do? Lift them up in prayer. Can I tell you something? The only perfect leader that ever lived was Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's the only perfect one. I've got faults. Some of you put me up on a pedestal. Uh, and I was telling somebody one time, I said, look, this, this, is, this, is how, this is my struggle. He said, really? He said, it's hard for me to hear you say that. I'm going to tell you something. Just because you're in a position doesn't mean that you don't need prayer. We're all in this together. And so lift up your leaders in prayer. Lift up the national leaders. We're called to do that in Scripture. Lift up your local government officials, your school officials. Lift them up. Pray for them. Pray for your church leaders. But we need to pray for leadership. Why? Because God uses leadership. It's something that he has chosen to use. It's part of his plan. What did, what did Paul do? He, Paul w- was an apostle as well. He went and he appointed leadership in different towns, right? Why? It's God's plan. A work of God is accomplished by the people at large, but it's also accomplished through leadership. So make sure you pray for leadership. Pray for your leaders. Ask God to lead you in your prayers for your leaders. To lay upon your heart maybe a time when that leader may be struggling. To lift them up. Lay, lay up ask God to let, uh, lay upon your heart uh, maybe something specific to pray for that leader. If you see something in that leader's life that you don't like, instead of gossiping about it, pray about it. Take it to God in prayer. Maybe go to that person. If you, if you feel in your heart that, that that situation needs to rectify it, go to the person. But, but whatever you do, pray for them. Can I tell you something? If, if the church is something that Satan hates, he hates the leaders of the church even more. Why? Because if he can disrupt them, well, he hates them because they're leading to do the work of God, but he also hates them just because they're taking a stand for the Lord. They're trying to serve the Lord in a special way. And so he's going to do whatever he can to disrupt them and and to destroy them. And we are in this spiritual battle together. We have a common goal to reach people for Jesus Christ. So make sure you pray for your leaders. And by the way, we as leaders pray for you. We do. We love you. So uh, pray for devotion. Pray for leadership. Thirdly, pray for anointing. Pray for anointing. Now, by the way, um, Jesus had told them what he was going to do, right? He says, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So God had said, okay, I'm going to give you my spirit, and he's going to empower you for the mission. Okay? Now, he's told them what they are to do, and, and, and to wait for this power from on high. So what do you think they're praying for? I think they're praying according to the promise of God. Saying, Lord, we need your power. You say, well, that's crazy. Why would you pray something that God's already promised to do? Because it's something God teaches in his word. We're to pray the promises of God. And so they're, they're lifting this up. They're, and it says they're all together. Chapter 2. 
uh, verse 1 says, they were all together in one place. The same language they used in chapter 1, verse 14. They're, all to- they're still all together praying. They're still all together seeking the Lord. And then suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared and rested on each one of them. What is this a picture of? It's a picture of the anointing of the Spirit of God. We need to pray for anointing. The church had a mission. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit. And so they're meeting and they're praying and all of a sudden they hear this sound. You know, this sounds like a rushing wind. And filling the place and it's probably a little bit disturbing. I don't know about you, but if, I, if I'm in a four walled closed in building and I start hearing a bunch of wind it it might scare me a little bit but uh the the tongues of fire began to rest upon each head what was that a symbol of you remember in the old testament when they completed the tabernacle they completed the temple the shekinah glory of god the glory cloud came upon them came upon the temple came upon the tabernacle because it was filled with the presence of god so it was a visible way of God showing the people what was going on, okay? The, the wind is taking place, uh, and the, the fire is taking place upon their heads and these, these clothes of fire. And it was God saying, now it has happened. The Spirit has come. You are empowered for mission. You are anointed with my presence. Now go out and do your work. We need to pray for anointing. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you, you know, we can't do the work of the church in our own strength. What is the work of the church? To make disciples. No one can come to God unless the spirit draws him. We need to be praying for, for, for God to work in that part of it. But also, we can't grow as God's people without his his presence and His power. It's the fruit of the Spirit that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithful, faithfulness and self-control. He is the one that gives us what we need to live the Christian life. We can't do it on our own. And so we pray for His anointing. We pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We ask God to live that life through us that we can't live in our own strength to anoint us for His purpose. Did you know if you are a child of God, you are anointed for the purpose of God. His Spirit has come to live within you. He has gifted you with specific spiritual gifts. But you also need to continue to pray for the anointing because God wants to to fill you and live through you. Some people who are Christians have the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God is not in control in their life. And so we need to pray, God, fill me with your Spirit. We need to confess any known sin in our life uh, so that God can work through us to accomplish uh, His purposes and His mission. I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God has perfect knowledge. He knows what, what happened yesterday. He knows what's happening today. And He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows each and every heart perfectly. The Bible says God searches the hearts. He knows what's in the mind of a man or a woman. He knows exactly what needs to be said in witness. 
we learn uh, the gospel and the truth of the gospel, but ultimately the Holy Spirit of God helps us apply the gospel to people's hearts. Because guess what? Different people struggle with different things. The Holy Spirit of God knows how to deal with it. He is our guide and our help uh, in our mission. Uh, he is our anointing for our families. Do you know uh, the Bible speaks about the blessings that come uh, when a, a husband is righteous? Blessings that come to the children? When a wife is a God-fearing lady? The blessings that come to the children? I'm going to tell you something. We need God's anointing not just for ourselves, not just for the mission. We need it for our families. Do you, do you ask God in prayer to lead you and to help you to be a good parent? Let me tell you something that's awesome to do. Pray that God, husbands, that God would help you love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, pray that God would help you to uh, graciously submit and, and respect your husband. Uh, children, uh, pray that God would, through you, obey your parents. Pray about your family situations. Ask God for wisdom and guidance in the situations of your life. And ask the Holy Spirit of God to love your family through you. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to minister through you. You know, I believe God puts people in families for a reason. And he's put you in your family for a reason. Not just to get, but also to give. Sometimes God puts us in a family so we can be a minister. Yeah. So uh, pray for God's anointing. Pray for his devotion. Pray for, pray for devotion. Pray for leadership. Pray for anointing. And finally... Pray for salvation. Pray for salvation. Look at verse 41. Peter preaches a message filled with the Spirit of God. They saw the miraculous sign of, of people being able to hear in their own individual languages the message of the gospel. Uh, it was a miracle that took place. Uh, and people as they were gathered from all over the Roman Empire to Jerusalem to worship uh, at, the, at the Feast of Pentecost, uh, as they were gathered there, they heard the message of the gospel in their own languages. Now, chances are most of them spoke Koine Greek. Most of them spoke Aramaic. But what did God do? God allowed them to hear the message in their distinctive languages of their distinctive areas. Why? Because he was saying, I'm, I'm doing something special here. I want you to see that what I'm doing is supernatural. I'm sending my spirit. And things aren't going to be the same from now on. God was giving a, a powerful witness of his supernatural power uh, through these disciples who were sharing this message uh, so that they could share the message of the gospel. And 3,000 people were added to them that day. Talk about baptisms. I bet those uh, apostles got, uh, <laughs> they might have got tendonitis from all those baptisms. I tell you what, what a great problem to have. People being saved, 3,000 in one day probably had to have mass baptisms for several days. Then it says they were devoting themselves to prayer. Verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And look at verse 47. And every day, 
the Lord added to them those who were being saved every day. How'd you like that? Talk about revival. Every single day, somebody was being saved. Have you ever seen anything like that in your lifetime? I haven't. Could we see it? Hey, listen, we serve the same God. We need to pray for salvation. Now, if you don't know Christ, you need to pray for salvation in the personal sense. Jesus died for your sin and rose again so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life. And you need to pray in response to him and receive that salvation and commit your life to follow him. Uh, and let him change your heart and bring salvation to your soul. But you don't just need to pray for your own salvation. You need to pray for the salvation of others. They were devoted regularly to prayer. Now, I, I believe they were play, praying specifically for people who were lost. But I think also that devotion to prayer in and of itself became something God could use in their life to help them grow spiritually so that God could use them to reach people for Christ. Can I tell you, sometimes prayer, well, I come to prayer and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, God, I'd like you to do this in my life, and that's fine, that's good. But sometimes God may not necessarily do the specific thing that I'm asking him for, but he changes me in the process. As I come before him in prayer, maybe there's a sin he points out. Uh, maybe... Uh, I draw close to him in fellowship. I learn and I grow uh, through his word as I come to him in prayer. And, and God, God ministers to me and he grows me. And then he uses me as his instrument for other people to come to Christ. Prayer is so important. Taking your request to him is so important. Praising him, thanking him is so important. But you need to pray for salvation of people. Um, we need to pray. Somebody once said to me, we have been saved, if you know Christ, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. I thought about that. It's true. I have been saved. When I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he saved my soul. My, my destination in heaven is secure. But guess what? God's work didn't stop there. He continues that work of salvation in my life. He, he grows me spiritually so that I can have victory over sin. Uh, he, he grows me uh, in, in my salvation process and teaches me to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is in a process of that saving work. And guess what? One day, Jesus is going to come back and the work will be finished. And... There will be no sin nature. Uh, listen, this work of salvation that God is doing is past, present, future. It's not over yet. <coughs> and someday, when we get to heaven, we won't have the old struggle with sin. And we won't have the hindrance of sin in our relationship. For the first time, we'll have complete, unhindered fellowship with God. What an amazing thought. We need to pray for salvation. Pray that God will continue his work. You read the letters of Paul and, and, uh, and others as well, uh, you'll find a theme 
of Paul praying for the spiritual growth of his people. I pray that you'll know the fullness of of the knowledge of what it means to to be loved by God. I pray, God, that you'll give them the fullness of knowledge. And and, and Lord, I pray that uh, they would reach their potential for you. Over and over again, you see it throughout the letters of Paul. He's praying on a regular basis for the people. He's praying for that salvation, not to just stop. Have you ever known somebody that stops? I mean, they get saved. There's never any progress. Paul says, I don't want that for you. I want you to realize the fullness. <coughs> the fullness of what God has for you. And so he continues to pray. We need to pray for salvation in our own lives. We need to pray for salvation in the lives of others. We need to recognize that salvation is a supernatural thing. Something we can't achieve on our own. I want to tell you something. Leading somebody to Christ when God has prepared their heart is easy. Leading somebody to Christ when they're not prepared is impossible. And so, you need to pray for salvation. Pray for God. Pray that God will prepare hearts. Pray that God will use you in that process of reaching people for Jesus Christ. What a difference it made. 3,000 people. I want to tell you something. God delights to answer the prayers of his people. We need to pray for devotion, for leadership, for anointing, and for salvation so that God can do his work for our lives. God says, if you ask anything according to my will, I will hear it. That's not a great promise. Get to asking the will of God. Father, we thank you so much for the incredible challenge that you've given us to be a part of the work that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to to pray to you. Help us be faithful to pray for devotion in our lives, to pray for leadership, to pray for anointing, to pray for salvation, God. Uh, Fill us with your spirit so that we can be faithful.